Hello, and welcome back to the Chris Ye Podcast. I am Chris Ye, and I have a special treat for you guys today. I am joined by entrepreneur Mary Hayes of WorkBay, an incredible company that is doing incredible things in Memphis. And Mary, can you say hi to the audience? Hello. Thank you for having me here. My pleasure. Now, Mary and I met at the Unreasonable Futures program. And Mary was there because out of all the entrepreneurs in the world who are working on various companies, she was selected as somebody who was having the most positive impact in the world. So Mary, can you talk a little bit about WorkBay and the work that you're doing? Well, it's truly a great honor. And WorkBay works with people, mostly people who are on their first job to first management uh, experience. And so in that way, we work with schools and colleges. We work with incarceration to employment programs to connect together a whole roundtable of the people who help people get jobs. So we include colleges and schools and libraries and chambers of commerce on one platform. And students can find jobs, find learning to get those jobs. And what's amazing is you've been doing this kind of work, not online, but offline for, what, two decades? <laughs> yes. You've done some incredible things. Tell us about how did you get started in this world? Uh, well, how I got started in educational technology is that my family had an ed tech company. So even back in 1967, they were experimenting with teaching me with a computer. And I grew up in that space. And then, in, uh, the, and then when I was in my 20s, I worked in educational publishing. And then I went to uh, – I was actually – at a, at a meeting at uh, Pearson, uh, Pearson, Canada, and they were drinking some whiskey. And, uh, Canadian late whiskey, night, I take it. And late at night and talking about uh, the cost of, of the binding of a textbook being $6.95. The most expensive thing about a textbook was binding it. Mm -hmm. Not the production, not what was on the page, not, none of that. And uh, at that time, it was like 1990, and laser discs were costing about a dollar. And I thought, wow, everything's going to go digital. So I sold my textbook company and went, uh, went into digital education and digital educational technology. Well, it sounds like that made you a pioneer in this field. It was early days. It was early days. And so in around 2000, I started to get work creating um, programs for companies that had hundreds of thousands of workers and had to train the front line of their organization, mostly for compliance to legislation around health and safety. And uh, But I tried to bring a publisher's sensibility to it and make really rich, cool stuff that would engage people in the learning. I called my company Engage Learn. We worked around the planet. We built massive libraries of uh, training in all different ways for all different household name companies in all different languages. But uh, around 2010, I had the ability to start to make the thing that I had wanted to do pretty much my whole life, which was to give greater access to work skills learning mm -hmm. to people that needed that. Well, talk to me about work skills learning, because that's not a term that I think everyone's familiar with. What are work skills and how do you learn them? Well, of course, to work, you need to, to be able to read and write mm -hmm. and do some math. All academic subjects have some aspect of work. But this idea of work as being the thing that in your life you bring to your community and your community rewards you for, that really engages me. 
whether I'm in indigenous communities or learning about different faiths uh, or in my own experience, the idea of you wake up in the morning, you put your shoes on and go out into your community and you give of your gifts and receive back the sustenance that you need, that is, uh, that's what I really care about. And so I want to make sure that everyone has access to the learning that they need to be successful in translating their gifts into rewards from their community. That is such a poetic way of thinking about work. I really love that. I mean, so often people think about work and like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. And to think of it as the gift that you're giving your community, the gifts you receive from the community for what you do is really quite beautiful. Well, I got to tell you that um, in making Work Bay, one of the things we wanted to do was make videos of people talking about who they are, what they do, what they love about what they do. Because there's a lot of science being done around competencies, skills, knowledge, and attitudes, and how those relate to a job. But whenever I talk to anyone, the way they got the job they have has an extraordinary synchronicity, and I knew somebody, and my girlfriend was the receptionist, and... Um, and so we wanted to combine both the science of what it takes to get a job and keep a job, but also the chaotic beauty stories of real people. So we've done over a thousand videos of people. Wow. In every different economic sector, every different role in life. And the most astonishing thing is how many people do uh, take enormous pride and joy in what they're doing. Even people in jobs that we tend to not even see, ten jobs that we look over. The guy who grinds the final finish on a piece of metal that might be a knife that's on our table, these people are imagining the users of their work mm. and get, getting a reward from that feeling. And I hit it again and again. Wow. That is really wonderful. And it's Really important because we do spend most of our adult lives, most of our waking hours working. And to think that work is something that is beautiful, something that you can be proud of, I think it's really important. People, people really do find more than just the cash they make in the reward of their work. And there are lots of studies to back me up on that. Um, you know, what's coming to mind this minute is a miner I met uh, almost five miles underground in a dank, dark, wet, pretty smelly place. And uh, I could show you his video, and he is beaming with joy, talking about his brothers down there, mm -hmm. uh, how about his son, and, uh, and about how everything that isn't grown is mined, and how dependent the world up top is on the work being done by those guys there. That is fantastic. And hopefully you'll tell people where they can find these videos. So if they go to WorkBay, where do they go? How do they see these videos? Well, that's funny. If you go to WorkBay, you'll see our website. Mm -hmm. But wherever we work, we, we brand to our local community because context is so important. Mm -hmm. Work is kind of like a weather report. You care about what's outside your window. So we are called... Memphis Works in Memphis, Tennessee, and a smart place in Huntsville, Alabama, and CAO for the Council Airport Authority, and Opportunity Now in Nashville. But if you go to workbay.net, you'll get a guide to our other places. Excellent. Workbay.net. Now, one of the other things I think is so fascinating about Workbay and your experience as an entrepreneur there is that you get the chance to work with your daughter. What's that like? <laughs> yeah. 
It's, of course, the joy of joys. Like, I mean, it's every mom's dream. Was it her dream? It. Was it her dream to work for her mom? <laughs> no, no. But you know, we were doing corporate training. I was a single mom, two daughters, and my elder daughter. Uh, she she did also work with me for many years. Uh, she uh, was doing videography and photography and content development, coding, and uh, she now has her own company. Mm-hmm. But her younger sister Alice, who's currently my co-founder of Workbay. Alice grew up in the business, so we used her as a model. Uh, if you were taking Walmart modules or McDonald's trading modules, she was there. you would watch Alice growing up as the customer's daughter uh, or the young cashier. And uh, she went and did a law degree and came back to help with the business and, and really became my true partner in the business. That yeah. was a beautiful thing. So, And wh- I have an excuse to call my kid every day. <laughs> Well, again, hopefully she likes that. She's a good girl. Now, let's say people think to themselves, wow, it sounds like Mary's doing some incredible work. What can they do to help? What can they do to be a part of this? Where should they go? Um, It's important that our communities really take on board what's being discussed a lot, Mm -hmm. which is that it's everyone's responsibility to ensure that their community's economy is inclusive. And so it's the role of the mayor, as well as the high school teacher, Mm -hmm. to ensure that those young people are learning what they need to participate in their community. It's the role of the library, and I must say librarians are very energetic and enthusiastic about engaging their community. I actually read that one out of three people that walk into a library are looking for a job. Mm. Yeah, uh, certainly true in Memphis. And um, and so it's about being part of the dialogue. If you're an employer, think about how you could connect to the schools and colleges in your community, how you could advocate at your chamber of commerce that they get involved in what is the curriculum of our schools and what are the opportunities we're making available for those first jobs and those pathways to first management. So this is all about that local action, mm-hmm. getting the local community and all the different players together to make this happen. That's where it happens. There's great uh, work being done by National Skills Coalition, by Jobs for the Future, by the U.S. Association of Chambers of Commerce. But ultimately, it's about the kid next door, uh, the neighbor, uh, making small business most accessible for new employees. Mm. Now, one of the things I remember from meeting you at Unreasonable Futures was that at first you seemed a little reluctant to tell your story. So it, probably people won't believe this from hearing you talk so eloquently about your story and the things you care about. But talk to me about that. How did you find your voice to talk about these things? Chris, it was you. I hate to embarrass you like that. Wow. Right here we're talking just to each other. Yes. And you mentored me at Unreasonable Group. I think that you saw that I was. I had to stand up in front of was it about ninety people? Yes. And in ninety seconds, tell the story of my company, and I was shaking so hard I didn't even know my own name. Um, but over the course of the Unreasonable Futures uh, Summit, there were so many supported opportunities. There was so much warmth coming at me, and you took me to the side and and you talked to me one on one and coached me on how to describe my business. And I, 
I have shared that with my whole company. And, Fantastic. Uh, and we all are memorizing it and also, and also really taking on board uh, that, we're, that we're here that, to speak out. And it's a story to be told and to take joy in telling it. Well, I am so delighted to hear the joy coming through. This is a podcast, so there's no video feed. But watching you smile as you tell the story fills me with great warmth and joy. So it's just fantastic being here with you. Chris, thank you so much. You've meant a great deal to my my work. Well, Mary, thank you so much for everything that you do, for all the things that you continue to do. And so, folks... If you want to follow more about Mary and her company, please go to workbay.net. That's W-O-R-K-B-A-Y.net. If you like this, if you like this podcast, please like, share, subscribe, tell a friend. Let them know that this is a great place to learn about fascinating people and the things that they're doing to change their world. This is Chris Yeh, and I hope you'll join me next time.